Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bout, and thank you for clicking on a brand new episode of Hindsight is 20 slash 200 at night. <laughs> and it's a special coming to you live at night. Do the little whisper voice, maybe. No, no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, we got a great brand new episode of the podcast today with an amazing new guest. But before we get anywhere, um, please, if you could introduce the podcast to your friends and family, let them know we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. And I'm pretty sure you can find my guest podcast on all those same platforms and even more. Um, so yeah, let's get them on here today. We're talking to the great and powerful John Grimes, the host of the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, Chad. Good to be here, buddy. Hey, how are you? I am tremendous. Thank you. <laughs> I've always wanted to do kind of a podcast at dark. I think there's something like magical or mystical about like a radio show at night. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. And radio is the uh, theater of the mind. So mm -hmm. you can pretty much make this what you want. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so happy that we connect and, and do this. Um, you know, I know you're very busy. You got to, you know, not only are you juggling the podcast, but you got to, you know, you got a full family down there with you guys over in Texas. So thank you for making some time out of your, your busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for accommodating Mike. <laughs> my schedule we uh, we do have a full family and a mm -hmm. job and you know life happens so mm -hmm. but i really enjoy podcasting i'm a big mm -hmm. fan mm -hmm. and uh really like to to talk to people i just like to talk so <laughs> yeah yeah you know? same. and there's people at my house that get tired of talking to me so i gotta find new people to talk to <laughs> that's part of the reason i started the podcast yeah it's, you know, um so how did you get into the podcasting how long have you been um doing the ambiguously blind podcast now we're coming up on about two years mm -hmm. in the next couple of months or so, mm -hmm. and it's been fun quite a bit. I actually, this is my second go at podcasting. I podcast about, I started podcasting originally in 2008, mm. actually. I did, uh, I'm kind of a music nerd also, mm -hmm. and I did a uh, podcast in 2008 and nine called the uh, Indie Jack Podcast. Mm -hmm. It is no longer available. I got all the episodes. I'm thinking about bringing it back for uh, right. my, my my side hustle mm -hmm. podcast but um and then life kind of got in the way and things happened and uh you know got married and you know just things change mm -hmm. so i stopped that but this at this go uh it's been i started in in 2020 in august mm -hmm. or so and so um i was I've, I've i've got a story to tell yeah and i've had some some unique things in my life like like many other people and mm -hmm. as i mentioned i like to talk Mm -hmm. And I like to talk to other people that are similar to me mm -hmm. um, with my, the name of my podcast is Ambiguously Blind. Mm -hmm. It was a way for me to kind of explain myself. Also, mm -hmm. I use the term ambiguously blind because you may not know that I'm um, severely visually impaired mm -hmm. um, unless I told you. There's right. a lot of opportunity, a lot, lot of things that happen, daily interactions and things that mm -hmm. I could I could interact with people and they, they wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the ambiguity part comes in. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a way for me to help educate people about um, the spectrum that is visual impairment and talk about my unique situation. So sometimes people understand me. I mean, I live in a neighborhood. I've been here for five or six years and I've got neighbors that they don't know that I'm, <laughs> that I'm, that I'm blind really, but I, I see them and mm -hmm. they see me more like it, but um, you know, sometimes I feel like people think I'm rude or something because I'm not <laughs> responding to a wave or something, but, mm -hmm. you know, so it was just kind of a way to do a lot of things, uh, start to tell my story I'm in the process of writing a book and doing some speaking engagements and things too. So I'm working on those kind of things mm -hmm. and kind of tell people about 
myself, visual impairment in general, and then just connect with other people that are uh, like me and share stories and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, I love the name of the podcast because, you know, it kind of really does um, embody, you know, your experience, but, you know, some, ex- is, you know, I've had a very similar experience in terms of, you know, you know, depending on the type of visual impairment you have, um, for the most part, it kind of is an, an invisible disability. So, you know, I got it all the time growing up. It's like, oh, you don't look blind and, or, or you don't, or you're not, you don't act blind. And I'm just like, I never knew that disability had like a dress code or, you know, like something we had to do and act like in order for us to be visually impaired. Mm-hmm. So like growing up all the time, especially in school, I, I remember there's so many classmates that they're like, you're not really blind. You're just faking to get special accommodations. I'm like, really? Would I really fake a disability just so I can get extended time in large print books? <laughs> you I know, I don't know. There could be some advantages to that, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it's yeah. just, um, the, you know, just the inexperience and misunderstandings of people. I, you know, like you mentioned the spectrum. I think that is something that people really do have a hard time understanding if they don't really um, interact with um well, just disabled people on a gen on a general basis. It's just, you know, disability is not all encompassing, nor is it just one overall way a disability, you know, encapsulates and, you know, affects the person. It, it's on multiple levels. And that's very true with vision loss as well. It's just like, just because someone tells you that they can't see well, doesn't mean you should jump to the point, oh, well, you can't see at all. And if you can't see at all, then you're fine. <laughs> it's like, no, that's yeah. not how it works. Yep. There, there are uh, several disabilities that are much more obvious to mm-hmm. other people than, than a visual impairment or mm-hmm. another impairment even, or hearing or uh, some that are more difficult to, to, for other people to perceive, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't make them any less of a disability, mm-hmm. but it just makes them a little more difficult for maybe people to understand. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and if people aren't familiar with them or don't haven't done a lot of interaction mm-hmm. with that before, then there's some awkwardness and some weirdness and just yeah. kind of some general uh, naivety that, that <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame anybody for that, yeah. you know, because right. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of my story you want to get into, but I, I lost my vision when I was 19. Mm-hmm. So prior to being prior to that, you know, I, I knew a few people that were visually impaired and, and mm-hmm. I probably thought the same exact thing. Like mm-hmm. you're either blind or you're not. Right. There's nothing in between or if there, if you are in between, you get glasses and you're fine. Kind of thing, <laughs> right. right. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I was. Mm-hmm. And I still talk to people that, that say, um, you know, like I was, I was talking with somebody on my podcast that is, is normally sighted, but uses lenses. And they're like, yeah, I have terrible vision <laughs> and I put on my glasses and it's okay. I'm like, well, I guess you have terrible vision. I guess that's how you want to describe it, but mm-hmm. um, my vision isn't correctable. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's like so, I can't do that either. <laughs> right. So it, it, even even people that kind of work in the space and and words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not a guy that's easily offended. I generally like to have a good time and, mm-hmm. and have some laughs at, at mm-hmm. my own expense. Even so, um, I'm not I'm not offended by those things. But I yeah. just think it's interesting that even people that, that should know better don't. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of human nature. So you got to get yeah. in and have a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, the naivete of the thing and just, you know, thinking they know something, but maybe they're not as um, well-informed as they thought they were. And yeah. I, you know, I kind of was the same, you know, 
before I lost, you started losing my vision. It's just like, oh, well, there's no in between. And I, that was like the thing I, <laughs> I was so scared about the most. Um, you know, it's like, oh, when I was told, oh, well, you have retinitis pigmentosa, so you're going to lose your vision. I thought that meant, okay, so one day I'm just going to wake up and it's completely gone. And, um, you know, I'm just going to see black all, you know, nowhere, everywhere I go. And then you start doing research and you actually start taking the time to understand vision loss and visual impairments. You're like, oh, well, when they said you're going to lose your vision, they didn't really mean you lose all of it. It's just, you lose Not like it. like you just flip the switch. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, even I had a hard time understanding the nuances of the language. Because again, I just, where I grew up, there was no one else that had a visual impairment or, you know, really, I didn't really interact with a lot of people with disabilities. So I would say definitely, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I think my vision loss has made me, you know, a better person, definitely a more understanding person and someone who's willing to listen and be told, you know, the right things to say, because, you know, there's a lot of nuances in the language and it's very easy to think, you know, something, but, you know, maybe you don't, but anyways, it's, um, how exactly did you start losing your vision, if you don't mind um, telling us? Well, I didn't. I started and stopped in the same motion, really. <laughs> okay. um, so I had a, um, I had a, I guess you would call it an acute injury or illness. Mm -hmm. I got bacterial meningitis when I was mm -hmm. in college. I was a sophomore. So mm -hmm. I'm a normal college guy mm -hmm. um, doing whatever college people do in mm -hmm. their sophomore years. And I felt like I was getting um like the sick it was during uh, february mm -hmm. of the uh, spring semester kind of during the flu season winter time period i thought i was getting the flu mm. and it turned out that um that i didn't have the flu i had bacterial meningitis meningococcal disease is, is generally what it's called mm -hmm. um and i didn't know kind of like i didn't know much at all about blindness i mm -hmm. knew even less about meningitis right uh, and what that is and so um to make a long story short, mm -hmm. uh, I went to bed um, on a, uh, a Thursday night and I woke up seven days later in the hospital. Oh, wow. And a lot of things happened in between. And that's kind of where my story and my what the, what I'm trying to do in my story and my book and some, some speaking things that I'm doing are, mm -hmm. are coming, starting to come about. But um, I so for me, it kind of was like a switch because even mm -hmm. though it was a seven day period, I was asleep for those seven days. So, yeah. Uh, I went to sleep um, in my apartment mm -hmm. and I woke up in the hospital about a week later. Wow. And during that time, uh, what had happened was the meningitis. Uh, it's so I know a lot about meningitis now. So we'll get real deep into the weeds on <laughs> yeah, please, meningitis. But, you know, I don't know that much. So please inform yeah, so us. It, it generally affects teenage uh, people, mm -hmm. um, but it can affect really anybody. And it's, mm -hmm. it's usually going to be younger people than older people. But um, I know some other meningitis survivors that have, have gotten, in, gotten in their 40s mm -hmm. and sometimes even later than that, but it's generally younger people mm -hmm. and it's more specifically teenage population. So like 13 to say 20-ish, right in kind of that time frame is the is the most prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, when I got it, there were not vaccines available. I'm going to date myself here. I got it in 1998. Okay. And the first um, vaccine came out for meningitis in, uh, in 2005. Mm -hmm. And then there was a second one that came out in 2009 or 10, I believe. And so there are five different strands of meningitis. There are letters A, C, W, and Y, A, C, W, Y, and B. And I had B mm -hmm. and doesn't, the strands don't really make, there's not much difference between how they affect people. It's just whether 
they get to you or not. And it's mm. your men, it's, it's an inflam it's a inflammation or infection of the meninges, mm-hmm. which are these little cells that line the spinal cord and the brain. Okay. And so when they get inflamed and, um, the illness goes in there, it, it's also an airborne illness. So you can, mm. you can get it anywhere. It's, you know, drop, we talk about droplets and things. If you remember that from the good old COVID days, yeah. um, how it, it can be exchanged by droplets. It's generally thought of in like dormitories or where people are in close quarters. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's oftentimes college age kids where there are a lot of social things going on, sharing of drinks and, you know, goodness knows whatever else, but <laughs> uh, dormitories and even in like barracks and military places mm-hmm. where people are living in close quarters, kind of things like that. So um don't know where I was, but uh, it was, it's a disease of the meninges, which are mm-hmm. the spinal cavity and, and brain. And so for me, uh, what happened was it caused the swelling in my brain mm. and the swelling cut off the circulation to my optic nerves. Oh, wow. And so I'm not like a lot of people with visual impairment where you mm. have RP or you have star guards, you have mm-hmm. some sort of the labors um, congenital. These, yeah, these, like it inherited. Are, yeah, it, mm-hmm. I didn't inherit it. I'm, I'm the first in my family. I'm, I'm, the, I'm patient zero, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> So, and, and it really wasn't, there was no warning or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the meningitis caused a few other uh, neurological challenges for me. Um, but the most obvious one is, uh, is the vision loss. So mm-hmm. I lost total vision in my right eye. I'm totally blind in my right eye. And I have mm-hmm. about 2,300 or so in my left eye. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult to explain kind of hence the term ambiguous, <laughs> yeah. um, because it's not straight on. I have, I have, do have straight on. I do have mm-hmm. peripheral. Mm-hmm. I don't have the, uh, full range or field of vision. Gotcha. So generally what I explain to people is I have, if you think about, you know, like a, a circle, uh, mm-hmm. North, South, East, West mm-hmm. graph kind of thing, you know? So I have the top left, I've got the, uh, Northwest quadrant. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at a circle and cut mm-hmm. it into, uh, into pie into four pieces, that's pretty much what I see, mm-hmm. um, is up and to the left. And mm-hmm. I just have to move my head or my eyes to, to get a full scope of things. But mm-hmm. I mean, I can pretty much hold my, um, hand up almost in front of my, in front of my face, almost up to my, to my nose before I can see my hand in front of me. Mm-hmm. So that just creates some, you know, unique things, <laughs> yeah. situations, <laughs> And a lot of different things to kind of work through. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I started and stopped losing my vision um, yeah. essentially overnight. It, it, my, my vision's been stable since. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been any change, just whatever normal age-related you know, vision loss would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wear glasses mm-hmm. um, for um, to assist my vision. Yeah, there's not do really a lot blood. of correction that you can do. There, there's no correction because of the optic nerve damage. Mm-hmm. My my eyes themselves are fine, mm-hmm. um, and my brain itself is fine. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some people you could talk to that would probably tell you differently, but um, I corrective lenses don't work. I mm-hmm. do wear glasses pretty regularly though. Okay, um, because I am very sensitive to to light and dark. Yeah, between particularly mm-hmm. light. Um, so anytime um, you know, there's even times where I'll be inside and I'm wearing glasses, but. <laughs> Almost every time I'm outside, I'm wearing glasses mm-hmm. uh, for the protection, one, mm-hmm. from the light, two, for the transitional period where I will go from one to the other, and then also for physical protection mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I will walk into things. Um, <laughs> I've, I've walked into, it's no, usually like tree branches mm-hmm. or things that are up high that Yeah, those hangings. I, uh, yeah. 
So that that's primarily why, I mean, I, I'm trying to protect what I got too. So I don't know. I kind of meandered there. I don't know if I answered nah, your original question. It's, it's funny. So like glasses, <laughs> they've saved me on a number of occasions when I run into stuff. It's just like, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they help me see, but in a, in a weird way, they also have protected my face. <laughs> yeah. It's important too. Mm-hmm. And the, so, the glasses I'm sporting now are I, I'm wearing the two blind brothers, the Cavaliers. I don't know oh, those, those are good ones. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm sporting. Yeah, they're they're nice. They're they're real good. So do they have any idea of how you might have gotten the bacterial meningitis? Or like yeah, it's they- just it's just an airborne disease. So okay. really anybody can get it. It's mm-hmm. highly contagious, it's highly infectious. Mm-hmm. So it's it's amazing that I was the only one that got it. Mm-hmm. But at the school that I went, uh, which is Texas Tech University, Lubbock, Texas, mm-hmm. gonna get my guns up and go on my <laughs> recum and do all my my things here. There but, you go. <laughs> so um anybody really could have gotten it. Mm-hmm. And my my immune system was in a situation where mm-hmm. It, I got it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I was in, I was in uh, intramural sports mm-hmm. and I was social and, you know, just normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of opportunities for that to happen. And mm-hmm. I had uh, mentioned intramural sports. I was in, I had a basketball game uh, like two nights before or the night before I went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so like they had to do a uh, search, like a tracing, if you remember your contact tracing, right. With COVID mm-hmm. yeah. so they had a contact tracing back then for me to find people that I'd interacted with in the last mm-hmm. like 48 hours. And they all had to come in and take this, this giant, what they called the, like a blue pill was like a mm-hmm. antibiotic that would prevent them from, from getting meningitis if, wow. if it happened. So it is a highly contagious and mm-hmm. wicked disease. Yeah. Um, it can take the life of a otherwise healthy person mm-hmm. within 24 hours. Uh, on my podcast, I've talked to people that have survived it, mm-hmm. um, like me, and mm-hmm. and pretty much everybody comes out uh, with with some kind of some kind of scar um, yeah. of meningitis. In my mm-hmm. case, vision and some other neurological things. Mm-hmm. Um, amputations are often. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to people that have lost their um, all their fingers, all their toes, wow. their feet, their legs below the knees, their arms. Um, I've talked to parents of people that have um, lost children mm. or parents of you know, people, parents that are people that have lost children. Yeah. And I've teamed up with the national meningitis association, mm-hmm. which is a great organization, which helps provide awareness and teach people kind of about meningitis, what it is mm-hmm. like me. I didn't know and how, how crazy fast it is Yeah, and that it can oftentimes be disguised as something else. There's people that, that there, there are stories out there, people that have gone to the hospital Mm-hmm. with meningitis and they were sent away saying you have the flu or you have the cold. Mm. And so the, the only real way to determine whether you have it, which is how they determined that I have it mm-hmm. is through a lumbar puncture, which is a spinal tap. And they, they take the fluid out of the spine mm-hmm. to that's where they can, because that's where it is. It's, it's in the spine or in the brain, brain cavity. So um, there are some physical things where if you, um, there's some purple splotches and things that will appear on people's bodies mm-hmm. um, that would also be indicating that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody, oftentimes limbs are lost. And so essentially the blood flow is cut off to the extremities. So if you're, if you feel extremely cold in your hands or your feet, um, that you just cannot get yourself warm and you have these flu-like symptoms, mm-hmm. go to the hospital. Talk okay. to your doctor. Gotcha. Um, but there are vaccines available mm-hmm. and they, they make meningitis almost preventable. I mean, gotcha. no vaccine is 100% preventable mm-hmm. for any right. disease, um, but the vaccines, there are two of them. Um, we encourage people 
um, to talk to their teens, uh, watch teens the most because they're the most at risk mm-hmm. um, and talk to your teen's doctor about it. But there's a, a vaccine that's available at age 11 mm-hmm. and one that's available at age 16, as well as a booster at age 16 for the first one. So mm-hmm. they are mostly preventable um, and they are readily available and they are, they're good vaccines. Mm-hmm. I would recommend them. I would <laughs> Absolutely. Them my teens. Yeah. You know, however you feel about vaccines, because I know that's become such a triggering topic, especially with these COVID times just went through. Um, they do help um, and they do prevent disease. That's all I'll say. Take the information as you want, but um, vaccines yeah, do work. <laughs> yeah, everybody can make their own decisions, mm-hmm. but um, I'm here to tell you that if, um, you know, if I, if I had had the vaccine for meningitis, mm-hmm. you know, I can't play the what if game, but right. um, it's, there, there's a pretty good chance that it wouldn't have affected me, at mm-hmm. least to the, to the severity that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're out there and, and they're not new. They've been around for, mm-hmm. for years. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, do what you will. But it's, yeah. I would encourage people to go to uh, NMAUS.com, mm-hmm. uh, um, National Meningitis Association. There's mm-hmm. lots of websites. Just search meningitis. Mm-hmm. Um, 16 vaccine campaign. There's another one called Time's Up for Men. I mean, there's a lot of, or yeah. go to my website. It's ambiguous.com. Yeah. yeah, go we've to your got, website too. We've got, the links. <laughs> we've got links to all those things as well and, and blog posts and stories about mm-hmm. meningitis and stuff. But it is, uh, again, I didn't know anything about it. And it is it has altered my life mm-hmm. tremendously. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it is, is now vaccine preventable mm-hmm. disease. So just take that. Yep. But, absolutely. put that in your pipe and smoke it. Exactly. So you mentioned, you know, you, you went to just take a regular, all right, going to sleep, I'll wake up the morning. And then you wake up seven days later in the hospital. Now, when you woke up, had your vision already been lost, like in your right yes, eye? And, everything. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you can imagine what it would be like to lay in bed for seven days. So there was yeah. really my body was, um, it was it was a mess. Right. Yeah. So like the first thing I remember though, is darkness. Mm-hmm. That that's the first thing um, I remember other than trying to f- figure out where I was mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, I was in a coma. Right. So right. I don't know what you've seen in movies or read in books about people coming out of coma. For me, it wasn't like they snapped their fingers and I'm awake. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of an in and out as I came out of the thing uh, of the coma and the sleep. So um, I'm lying on my back. Um, I, my muscles and my legs and my arms have like atrophied beyond, you know, yeah. belief. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got tubes everywhere and I mean everywhere and including up my nose. Yeah. Uh, I was on a ventilator for like five days. So my, my mouth, my jaw hurts from that. Um, I couldn't swallow from the ventilator one. It, it interrupted my swallowing mechanism mm-hmm. in addition to some neurological things that happened during that as well. So I have a feeding tube that I didn't like. I don't know if anybody likes a feeding tube. <laughs> when I was, uh, during my time asleep, I, I, I pulled it out a few times. Oh. Um, and then when I came to, I would, I would, it was like a sport of mine. I could see how many times I pull it out. <laughs> and the, the not fun thing about it was they, they put it back in every time. Uh, you're and like, please leave it out. <laughs> it's not, it's not fun going back in. Yeah, I can imagine. So, um, I, I, I don't know what the, the, the most pressing thing I had when I woke up was, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that mm-hmm. I was, you know, like, where am I? Yeah. Why can't I, I can't sit up. I can't swallow. Um, 
I can't see, mm-hmm. right? So kind of ironic. I had some paralysis in my face from that, or it could have just been um, atrophied muscles mm-hmm. in my face, but half of my face wasn't working right muscularly. Uh, my And then the ironic thing was that I have no vision in my right eye, which mm-hmm. was the case when I woke up, but my right eyelid was open. Like it, it had, I had control of my right eyelid. My left eyelid where I have vision would not open. So I, I couldn't control mm. my right eyelid or my left eyelid. Mm-hmm. So I thought my eyes were open and I couldn't see anything. It was just total darkness. Gotcha. Um, but then it was, you know, um, your, your listeners at home can't, can't see what I'm doing, but I, I literally like pinched my eyes and like reverse pinch my eyes open. Uh-huh. And then that's when I, that's when I could see light and stuff. And so it's, I mean, those kind of muscular disconnects were all over my body. Just yeah. things didn't work the way, again, I'm 19, right? Yeah. So I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof before this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a guy that goes out and has a good time and plays basketball and, mm-hmm. and does all these normal things. And here I am literally can't sit up or yeah. swallow in bed and can't, can't lift my eyelids. Yeah. You're pinching your eyelids just to see at yeah. the left eye. So I, I don't know, you know, the, there's a lot of things to say about mm. initial time waking up and understanding and inventorying my body and yeah and understanding why I was wearing a diaper and just you know I don't know I don't know where to begin it was pretty amazing but probably the overwhelming feeling of other than just disorientation was darkness because yeah. I, I I didn't expect to not be able to see but I also didn't expect to be wearing a diaper on a wall got be there so <laughs> it had you know. to be such a crazy just like 24 hours that that day when you woke up because like you said you're just trying to inventory your facilities and here you are you can't really you can't move your body you can't sit up and of course for you you can't you can't see now um you're you're saying you have like muscle paralysis in your face like all these things like you say you might you know you're being like you're 19 at this time you know you're like in like you're the prime of your youth and then you go from that and then you're waking up seven days later like like what the hell is going on yeah it had to be so crazy to not only inventory your facilities but then just like mentally navigate all this that's going on and i mean the doctors are in there talking to you your your family's probably there with you and they're, they're like what the i can't even imagine what that had to have been like for you it's hard to put it in words because mm-hmm. I, I don't, I've been through the experience obviously, but mm-hmm. I, it's hard to, yeah, it's, I don't, yeah, I, I can't even, I, I can't really say because it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know what to equate it to yeah. or anything, but, but you mentioned, you know, the people around me, um, mm-hmm. I had some, some really good doctors and I had, uh, my, my parents were there and my, my brother and my, my family had a really good support network of friends. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing when things like that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, I, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of these resources are right there. And all these yeah. people are right there. And all these things are right there. I have a, I'm a, uh, I'm a Christian. I have a good, good, strong belief in that. Mm-hmm. And that was a very important part of my recovery. Yeah. And a very, um, critical piece of, of who I am now and who mm-hmm. I was before too. But, um, my, my family and friends and a, and a good, really good support network. I, 
I couldn't have done any of it without any, without all of them. Yeah. And speaking to a guy that's got a visual impairment, you can probably understand that, you know, there's no eye in team, right? Um, <laughs> although there is an eye in blind, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's a we sport. This is, mm -hmm. this is now a we thing. So mm -hmm. I, I do things independently all the time, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things where it's a, it's a we thing now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was brought to that, to my knees basically with that yeah. idea uh, immediately like, okay, so there, these are things I'm going to need help with. And there's going to mm -hmm. be some things that I, I just can't expect to do totally on my own. So there's, you know, you work through all the independent issues and the dependencies and the, mm -hmm. you know, my straining, my, am I, am I a burden on other people? And you, you walk yeah. through all the, I mean, there's, you know, months and months and months. I went through mm -hmm. physical rehabilitation to, to sit up and, and walk even, you know, mm -hmm. like I, it's, you know, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not here to tell you how bad everything was for me because <laughs> yeah. that's not really it, but I'm just kind of mm -hmm. trying to paint the picture of yeah. kind of the depth of, of where it went. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it happened to me in, a, in February mm -hmm. and my objective was to get back to, um, back to school in, in August mm -hmm. and I left school and my, my parent went back home. My parents live about 200 miles away and, um, I went back home I did a lot of rehabilitation, mm -hmm. a lot of self-learning. I had to, you know, I, I never learned to braille, although I've attempted twice. I just, I just couldn't pick it up. I'm, mm -hmm. I've always been a technology nerd. Mm -hmm. So even before vision loss, I was really super into computers and stuff. And I just gravitated towards that Yeah. and the technology that was available then. Mm -hmm. And, but the crazy thing about being a technology guy was I didn't know how to, I couldn't type. I mean, I could type, of course. I mean, I know how to type, but I use the hunt and peck method. I don't even know if that even. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but I guess, and I was very fast typer. I mean, not mm. like not like a super fast typer, but it was very good typer. Typed all the time, but I I looked at the keys, mm -hmm. and so you know, take your vision away. Yeah. And I couldn't type now, <laughs> so I very quickly had to learn keyboarding. Uh, yeah. Even though I was no stranger to a keyboard. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can remember going to a keyboarding class and there were people there that were, that were normally sighted and they, mm -hmm. they had a, a box that they would put over the keyboard. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't, you, your, your hands could slide underneath the box, but you couldn't see the keys. Right. And they put that on front of, on top of mine. I was like, uh, <laughs> we don't need that. We're, we're, you know, we're good. You don't gotta, you don't have to worry about me cheating. <laughs> um, but so they're just the amount of things that I had to learn, relearn, and mm. then just adjust to was, was, a, it's, it's a laundry list of mm -hmm. a lot of things, not the least of which was just walking and talking and eating yeah. and just really normal, boring, mundane things. So it was, uh, but I did make it back to school in August Awesome. and, and set back on my, uh, my independence course and, mm -hmm. And uh, finished up out there. So that's great. Yeah. It's yeah. it interesting. It's an interesting way to do it. I was on <laughs> yeah. a five year plan. I took about a year off in the meantime. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that was, that's what I did. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. <clears throat> I did typing classes. Um, I started in middle school, um, then I continued on into high school. And then I did web design stuff as well. Um, but like you said, you know, I'm so happy that I took time to learn the keyboard because at the time I, I used the hunt and peck method myself. I'm very familiar with looking at the keys and knowing, but then, you know, as my vision started to you know, leave me more and more, I was like very thankful. I was like, man, 
who would have thought me taking keyboard class back in middle school would pay off so well <laughs> in my yeah. adult life? Yeah. Um, you know, that's just funny, but um, it's so much easier. It's a much better way to type though. You know? <laughs> yeah, if you're looking is. at the keys, you can't see what's going on on the screen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, that's the way it should be, but that's <laughs> certainly not the way I did it. Yeah. Same here. But now he's like, I can't use like laptop keyboards because I like using, I have a, a plug in people can't see it, but I'm lifting up a actual old school kind of individual the big keys to have where you can feel each and every individual key. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I like that because of course, ASDF, JKL semicolon, you know, QWERTY and everything. Yeah. You know, I remember those very well. So it's like, I always get one of these because for me, I like to be able to feel it like that because it's all about hand placement for me. So yeah, being able and, to and know that. Tactile mm -hmm. reinforcement of that stuff too. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I, I don't I don't like laptops either. I like big screens. That's mm -hmm. that's what I do. I've got mm -hmm. giant monitors. Same. <laughs> and um, I can't I can get close to them because they're on arms, you know, where I can mm -hmm. move the monitors around and they're not yeah. on my desk. And so with a laptop, I can't get close enough to the screen. Yeah. Um, and it looks weird. And I have to contort my body into a mm -hmm. weird position. So I'm a I'm a desktop <laughs> kind of guy myself. Same. So yeah, uh, I, I can work share. on laptops. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have I have my laptop like to the right of me, and then of course it's plugged into this big honking screen. I'm looking yeah. at to actually talk to you, and then that's what I actually use when I walk in just to do you know editing and stuff. It's just mm -hmm. I I just have the laptop there for the you know it has the functions, <laughs> but the usability is on the bigger screen. Just a computer, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned something really important. Um, you know, you um as before I start talking about that. Um, and that was. The, the team around you, having your your family and those doctors who knew what they were doing. Um, but definitely, I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, your, your family, because I feel like that's something that sometimes people aren't as fortunate or lucky to have when they start to encounter a disability. You know, I always tell people like I know I'm privileged from the fact that my family was very, very good to me when it comes to disability because sometimes the disability can really tear a family apart but for me you know my mom and my father were my biggest warriors and they were my biggest resources they helped me learn to get the technology I needed and know what it, I needed and then the classes and then of course for me I had a sister who was losing her vision to the same disease that I am so I had that support system so I know for me I you have privilege in the fact that I had a family that was willing to, well, one, you know, give me the resources I needed, but two, to instill in me that, that um, my disability is not a disadvantage. Um, it's only a disadvantage if I make it, and it's up to me to make it into an advantage. So I know from the fact that having that great support system, and like you said as well, um, faith has been a big part of me as well. And, you know, finally being able to just, you know, say and i understand that everyone that may be listening is um is religious but for me faith have always has always been a very big part of me you know i was angry of course with god <laughs> as i think most people um as they're young growing up and they have something bad happen to them they just want to know why would you choose me um but eventually you you realize that um there's something bigger that he is planning for you um and you just have to be able to accept it and come to your knees sometimes so definitely i um would love to hear you know how that for you played a very important part when it comes to, you know, putting that plan, like, you know, in six months, I'm going to be back at school. Yeah. Amen. To that, mm -hmm. all, to all that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, faith and family are the, mm-hmm. are the, the two things that really brought me through. Um, and, and still to this day, bring mm-hmm. me, bring me through. I, yeah. um, it's very important. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really close with, I have a brother and I'm really close with my parents and we have other family you know, living around us. So we, mm-hmm. I've, I've always been in a good family and I'm mm-hmm. obviously very blessed to, to be that way. I know not everybody yeah. has those, those kind of opportunities. And I, you mentioned doctors. I, I did have good doctors, but interestingly, uh, my family and doctors did, did, um, butt heads. Um, <laughs> when, when my parents arrived, um, yeah. at the, at the hospital where I was, um, the doctor, I was, of course I'm out of it. So they, mm-hmm. they were there about within about 18 hours of, mm-hmm. of my, um, admittance to the hospital. My parents arrived They're they're 200 miles away. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a crazy story about how they, yeah, well, that, that's a different, we'll, we'll do it on a different episode, all that stuff. But anyway, my parents got to the hospital and the doctors were basically saying, um, this is it. He, he's probably going to be a vegetable mm-hmm. uh, the rest of his life if he survives. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of interesting because as, as the doctor comes out of the, they're, they're, they're doing con- consult with my parents when they get to mm-hmm. the hospital before they even see me. And they tell them that, they tell my parents that. And the doctor turns to him as he's leaving. He's like, oh, by the way, is, is your or son an organ donor? <laughs> parents are like, uh, um, I don't know, but can we see him kind of thing, right? Yeah. And so not a lot of, the, the doctor didn't really have a lot of faith in, <laughs> in my, me coming around either. And so after a couple of days of that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Talk about bedside manner, I, right? I'm sorry, but that's terrible bedside manners. Yeah. That's what happened. And so, um, after about, it, was, it wasn't quite two days. It was probably mm-hmm. about 24 hours of this, um, of seeing kind of the interaction with the doctor would come in and check. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't think I've spent much time in a hospital, but it's not a fun place to hang out. No, and, um, <laughs> even, even more so if you're the, the one in the bed, mm-hmm. but, um, the, my parents just were just totally, they didn't have any faith in the doctor because they, they thought mm-hmm. the doctor wasn't really trying to help me. They were just kind of mm-hmm. trying to like, I don't know, maybe make me comfortable or make them comfortable and just kind of ease into this vegetative yeah. state that, that yeah. they had predicted for me. And so mm-hmm. my, my dad actually went to the, to the doctor went to the administration of the hospital and said, I'm firing this doctor. We need a new doctor. I need somebody that's optimistic. That's mm-hmm. going to take an approach that we're going to, we're going to find something. We're going to mm-hmm. figure something out. We're going to run some different tests. We're going to do some things. And like that happened. And mm-hmm. so within, within hours of that happening, my vital signs, all the metrics that were, they were watching all changed mm-hmm. and things just started happening. Yeah. So we attribute that to a, a higher power. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe that. Um, and I do believe that, that my parents were, you know, in my corner, obviously yeah. as a parent, you, you would want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in your kid's corner mm-hmm. um, and trying to figure out a way to get around those kind of things and, and try to think outside of the box or, you know, I, I was the only one affected by it. So there mm-hmm. weren't a whole lot of case studies I and mean, meningitis wasn't new, mm-hmm. but that's, it's rare enough that it's not, I, I it, just at that time it was, it was rare enough that there wasn't something you could just pull off the shelf and say, okay, meningitis, what do we do? How do we do right. this? all these kind of things? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, that's the role that my parents played and, yeah. and the faith that, that we have, that we, we believe brought us through that. And so yeah. my parents instilled to me before the illness and yeah. after the illness that mm-hmm. nobody wants it more than you. Mm-hmm. 
whatever it is, if it's a promotion, if it's a, a winning goal, if it's a, if it's a item or a person or relationship or anything in life that you want, there's not anybody that wants it more than you. Mm-hmm. So if you want it, you're the one that's going to make it happen. Now you're going to yeah. need help along the way and people are going to be there to support you and do some things to help you get to those things. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want it, nobody's going to want it for you yeah. more than you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the mindset that we had. And we also talked about, uh, I, I can remember lots of, you know, you're not, I'm 19. Yeah. And I'm having these conversations with my parents. It's just not normal conversations. Normally mm-hmm. 19 year olds don't have. So I had a, a lot of extra time with, with my parents back at home. Um, I didn't like being at home because I wanted to be out with my, my friends and I wanted mm-hmm. to be, I, I tasted independence. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I was outside of the house for about almost a year and a half. So I knew what that was like. Mm-hmm. I liked it and I was doing well in school and I had, had good friends and social stuff going on and I just wanted to get back. So that the, the want to get back part of it. Um, but I also was scared scared mm-hmm. about what it was going to be like going back. Cause you know, yeah. I didn't have any, blind, I didn't have any blind friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have anybody that had been through anything similar to me and I had to adapt to a whole new, mm-hmm. you know, way of learning a way of being social. Uh, I drove a car. Yeah. Uh, I got my license when I was 16. This happened when I was 19. So mm-hmm. for like three or so years there I'm, I'm driving. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to drive. I know what it's like to just get up and go somewhere when you want to go somewhere. Yeah. Those type of things. So all this, you know, there's, there's a lot of frustration, yeah. a lot of just anger and hostility and trying to understand and, and talks with God and upsetness mm-hmm. and just all those things trying to figure out. So that, that five to six month period, I had a lot of time to, to go through those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I still go through those things, Yeah, hundred percent. but that, that was the time where that was most of what I did was mm-hmm. that, cause I didn't really have anything else to do besides work on the mundane things of, of life and mm-hmm. sitting up and walking and talking and swallowing and trying to understand how to, how to get around my mobility wise with, with my new surroundings. And so my parents mm-hmm. were there very integral part. And, you know, we, we would talk about, you know, I live in Texas, this is in Texas, right? So, um, we, we would take one step forward and oftentimes you would take two steps back in whatever was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but you keep taking the one step forward and enough times you, you, you make progress and kind of ironically, I'm in Texas, one step forward and two steps back. That's a way to do the Texas two-step dance, right? So (laughs) basically you two-stepped my way, um, into, into whatever I was doing. So, um, it, it, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I really answered it well, but my, my parents were, mm-hmm. and, and I shouldn't, it's not just my parents. So I, my brother yeah. was there as well. Um, I have aunts, uh, an aunt in particular and some other close family members, my grandparents and things mm-hmm. were, didn't live near us, but they were all like, I, I saw a lot more of them because mm-hmm. they were, I needed to get around to places. We needed all kinds of cars. I had some, some friends, my parents, friends that would drive me places. You know, you yeah. get to uh, something else too, is you get to know people <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. You really, you really get to know people a lot more because you, you spend more time with, with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then e- even in college, so 
of my college experience, um, post meningitis was so mm. much different in so many different ways, but you know, like, I don't think I ever had a, a conversation with any of my professors before meningitis. And after meningitis, I had a conversation with every one of my professors mm-hmm. and, and many times multiple, because I would, I would have to talk to them. I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm vision impaired and blind. Mm-hmm. I need, I need these kind of resources and I mm-hmm. need, uh, you know, like taking tests and things. I, I did all that differently. And so I had to coordinate all that. And so you get mm-hmm. to know teachers, they get to know you. And so through those interactions, you know, you, you, you get a richer perspective of people and they, they get a richer perspective of you and, mm-hmm. and, and the human condition and how things work too. So, you know, it's not all, it's not all bad. It, it certainly is, is challenging. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are some, some good things that come about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a better conversation starter for me when it comes to, um, when I was in college thing, walking into the class and then all of a sudden everyone's looking at you because you have the guide dog and they're just like, oh, cool. Or you're just like, yeah, yeah, I know. Let's not make a big deal out of it. I'm visually impaired. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a great conversation starter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you know Chad Foster, but I had him on my podcast a few months ago and um, he said he has, he has RP and, and lost his vision to a similar age and mm-hmm. he was in college and he said that um, his social interaction, particularly with females, took a dramatic <laughs> turn for the better when he got his his first guide dog. So, <laughs> yeah, um, funny enough is um, Chad was at this year's visions. Um, it was amazing to hear him talk. It's just yeah, like such an amazing story and such you know great points he brings across. I definitely am trying to get him. That'd be a great episode, Chad and Chad. <laughs> yeah, but you know, definitely. Um, yeah it's 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 funny it's just like you know i think but you gotta remember it's just like if you don't have the dog you don't get the girls <laughs> you know that dog you know that dog brings them in it's up to you to make sure that they you know they think you're a funny person <laughs> yeah dog only goes so far i know that's that yeah, right. exactly yeah. that's it the dog can only do so much <laughs> um but i loved that story um about your parents because that is so amazing and you were saying you know no one wants it more than you and they wanted nothing more than positivity and someone to tell you like listen he has a chance um you know we don't know what it's going to be but he has a chance to recover and because they wanted it so much like he said in that instance the the higher power said well if you want it then i'll give it to you and um you know the lord gave it to them they they wanted their son to recover and to go back out and be independent and confident and he did and that's just such a beautiful story yeah thank you absolutely so you kind of mentioned a little bit but um you know you're you're, you're you know after you know waking up you know vision loss of course doing the physical therapy and everything um you set that six months you want to be back um by august which you did which is awesome i always think you know if there's something that you want, set a goal and achieve it, you know, you know, visualize it, achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was the rest? Cause you're 19 at this time. How was the rest of, you know, that adolescence to early adult for you? Um, you know, how did the rest of college go for you? Um, was, was, was it easier for you? Did you find a way to navigate that? Cause again, like you said, it was kind of overnight, the switch, you know, it got flipped. Yeah, I didn't have any preparation for it. So uh, mine was all afterward. Mm -hmm. And, 
it was a rocky start. I mean, mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to get back, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I was I was really I was scared because mm-hmm. um now of course I'm I'm 19 and I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily going to let everybody know I'm scared. Right. But but in my in my mind um I had I had some doubts for sure. Mm-hmm. Um about, you know, I was living living off campus mm-hmm. and like just getting to school and and you know I I can remember like the the first day that I went to school um back it it takes a lot of you know when I when I was normally a student I I would show up at class you know maybe even maybe on time right <laughs> yeah and I'd roll in and do what I do and listen and write or whatever we do and then I'd mm-hmm. and I'd get out and do whatever I do from there but mm-hmm. there's so much more preparation that goes into my day now yeah. to get to school because I got to make sure I can coordinate a ride mm-hmm. and then uh, it was my first time so I I'd, I'd scouted most of my places out mm-hmm. um, which people probably do anyway which same you know, yeah I was the same but but if, if if you're normally sighted and you're you're a sophomore, you you've been to the school, you know where things. It's in this building. It's it's room whatever. But mm-hmm. I know I can I'll find it. Mm-hmm. But it, that's not an option for me anymore, right? So right. I'm I'm scouting out the things and I'm I'm taking. But this one particular class, I I hadn't had time to to look at, and it was um it was the first class, and it was English literature, and so like the newly blind guy that doesn't know Braille is going to, the first class that I go back and take is English literature. So I don't know why the counselor even let me sign up for that. Like, why is that a good idea? Right. So I can just remember the energy it took to get, I knew where the building was because I knew the building, but like the class. So I get to the class, I get to the door and then I get into the room and it's, it's a, I don't know, there's probably like 30 seats or 40. It was a relatively small room Mm -hmm. and there might've been 15 or 20 people in there. And so like, I'm like, well, I don't know what seats are empty. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to, I'm going to sit on somebody's lap or something. Right. Or I'm just going to walk, maybe I'll sit in the teacher's desk. Right. I don't know. <laughs> so I can just remember, I finally found a seat and the teacher comes in talking about this, all these books that we're going to read throughout the semester. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm slouched mm-hmm. in my chair. Like, man, it just, I'm, I'm sweating just getting to the class and finding yeah. a seat. How am I going to read 22 books or whatever it was that, um, that we're going to read. So I mean, that's kind of the the example I would give you for what it was like getting settled back in. Yeah. Um, I was up to the challenge, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know how I was going to make those things happen. Right, so, right. Um, I I only took about, I dropped that class. I think I took two courses that, that first semester back, and mm-hmm. then I think I took two the next semester. So it really took me about two semesters to kind of, get my, get my mojo working and my groove mm-hmm. and kind of figure out. I mean, you know, there, there really are a ton of resources available right under my nose that, mm-hmm. that were there before mm-hmm. that I had paid zero attention to. There was mm-hmm. the Texas commission for the blind and they had all these resources and, and readers and of course all braille stuff, but I didn't have that, but technology and other things, uh, assistive things mm-hmm. that made all that, the learning curve was, was significantly shortened because of that. Mm-hmm. So for about the first two semesters back, as I eased in, um, I, I just kind of figured it all out and did it that way. And then mm-hmm. the next uh, two years, I mean, the, the last 
spring semester I took, I was taking like 18 hours, mm. which was, which was way more than I was, had, had ever taken, mm-hmm. um, even, even normally cited. So, um, I, I, I figured things out. I, I don't know what the recipe was other than yeah. just perseverance. Yeah. And, and again, I was pretty close with my parents and my parents are still 200 miles away at this point, mm. but I talked to them pretty regularly and I had a very good support network of, of friends and people. My brother by this time was actually at the school as well. Oh, cool. So, um, I had, I had assistance wasn't a problem. Right, right. The problem was for me asking for assistance mm-hmm. and, and accepting assistance. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's all this mind stuff and psych, psychological stuff to work through. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go to college to kind of find themselves and understand a little bit more about the world. Mm-hmm. And I certainly did those things, <laughs> but I, I, I discovered a lot more about myself during mm-hmm. those um, five years than, than I think most people do. Yeah. Um, just because of the experience that I went through. So 100%. Um, it was just a, it was just a willingness to, to want to do it mm-hmm. and, and setting goals and, and striving to, to hit those and, and just keep moving. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just my, that's just my, my mindset. I'm optimistic in, in general yeah. by nature. And, um, I don't like to sit around and, you know, I, I like to keep moving. So mm-hmm. just keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's, not a similar story, but you know, um, you know, I had, for me, I would say I a hundred percent agree. Like, you know, I learned so much more about myself, um, in college. Cause like you said, that's, that's, that is where we go and learn about who we want to become, hopefully who we want to become and what we want to do. Um, but f- for me and for you, it's like, we learn so much even more about what we could do given our lived experience it's like for me you know i i took six years to get my degree would have been five but i had to take a year off because i had to you know self-examine myself because at the time i was going through a lot of mental unwellness because you know people you know hear us talk now and like oh man they sound so well put together but it's like because we've gone through so much ups and downs and those downs are just as important as the ups and for me, I had to just figure out mental health and how to come to terms with the fact just like, listen, just because, you know, it's like, you know, Chad Foster said it in his speech, just, you know, your disadvantage can be a disadvantage if you let it be, but it's up to you to figure out how you're going to make it an advantage and how you're going to move forward. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, mental health is something that we don't speak enough about when it comes to just disability in general. I mean, it's very easy for us to have bad days and just get into the mindset of just doom and gloom and for me that was the big thing that I discovered when I was in college is to just have to manage the ups but more important than downs. so that's what I I learned about myself in college uh I'll never go back to college because for me college was a very traumatic time for me um but definitely I did learn um how to become the person I am today because of college so I guess it wasn't all bad you know maybe 50 <laughs> 50. Yeah. I, and Chad's right. Um, you, there are advantages to, to just about everything and you just have to find the advantages. And that's one of the things that I do remember, um, in particular, my dad and I talking about mm-hmm. back in those, those days where I was, where I was home for the those mm-hmm. several months about finding the advantages mm-hmm. and, and exploiting those advantages because mm-hmm. that, that is, it's going to pay dividends in the long run and, and you mm-hmm. really need to try to focus on those things. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there are always going to be advantages that, mm-hmm. that can, 
can be um, without sounding like an idiot to work to your, to your advantage, <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. right? So Yeah. So um, what did you um, go to college to get your degree for? Do you mind sharing? I don't mind sharing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went for marketing. Okay. Uh, business marketing. I, I That's paying off start, pretty well now. <laughs> start, started with that and ended with that. So I didn't yeah. change. Um, I, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. So that, that's working out pretty well for you now as you're doing all the podcasting and, and the, the, you're working on your booking, the public speaking, those yeah. skills I can see have played very well into what you're doing now. Yeah, I think um, so. What did you do after you got out of school? Um, was there a, a job that you had prior to the or are you, are you still doing it even with the podcasting? Um, what, what, what is that like? Yeah. So the podcasting is just, that's a mm-hmm. side thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, yeah, it's a side thing. That's mm-hmm. I guess that's the best way to describe it, which is why I, I am where I am. I, I do it when I have time. I love mm-hmm. doing it, but I have, mm-hmm. a, a, we, as I mentioned, we have some family and, of course. and work some and kiddos. all this, you know, there's, it's so, it's so weird work and family seem, well, not family, but Work seems to get away in the in the in the way of fun all the time. You know, it's like, I just gotta work. Yeah. So until I figure out a way to to do that, where work is fun, which that's, I think that's I think everybody wants that, but that that's in the cards for me pretty pretty mm-hmm. soon. But I uh, so back in and kind of intertwined with my family for that too. Mm-hmm. I I went to work, you know. So I I did interview at the end mm-hmm. of if college with with several um, places. There was all kinds mm-hmm. of interviews available, and it was kind of interesting because I kind of felt like there, you know, that that's kind of one of the areas or times where I, I felt like I, I was, things were a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought of myself was not necessarily what the recruiters and the, the companies thought of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think people think that in general, right? So that, that can happen to anybody. But in particular, I was pretty upfront about my visual impairment with people mm-hmm. because as, as I was trying to be at that time with everybody anyway, um, but I was just trying to learn myself we're through that, but I, mm-hmm. there were certainly different times where, uh, I would, I would make that known and, and things, things didn't go the way I anticipated them, them going, oh, or they went, yeah. went really fast. Like, okay, well, we're done here. Thanks for, you know, thanks mm, a bunch. Well, yep. We'll, we'll check you. We'll, we'll call you. Right. We won't ever call you. <laughs> yeah. So I certainly experienced that and, um, not, not every occasion happened, but enough that mm-hmm. I noted them and was aware that it was happening you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and when it was happening after a certain number of times. Um, so, but that's life. That's, that's yeah. what happens. You, you just gotta, you know, understand that that's going to happen and mm-hmm. uh, try to prepare yourself for that. And don't, um, you just got to keep moving because mm-hmm. that that's the world that we yeah. live in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I did move into, some some career things and a lot of it was a tied tied to a, like a family situation where mm-hmm. uh, we, we went to work for some, some family members and worked through there and then after a few years um my dad retired and and, mm-hmm. and my dad and i went into business with my brother oh, cool. um, a little bit later on down the road so that's kind of uh, where that went that's awesome that's that's really cool so um you know you talked about how the the um you know how long the podcast has been around and all but um what exactly was the moment where you were kind of inspired to start sharing your story um when you know you said 2020 for this new one of course you did the 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 other one a little bit earlier on um 2008 2009 um but you know was there an original spark for you to start the podcast 
Yeah. So I've been trying to tell my story really since the beginning. Well, not the beginning, but maybe like, um, oh, I don't know, for at least 15 or 20 years, Mm -hmm. uh, 15 years probably. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to several people um, about what that would look like. And um, then I, 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 I don't know. I just kept kind of stalling and I didn't, Mm -hmm. nothing really felt right. And I guess maybe it was because I didn't have the re- the, the real purpose that, mm-hmm. that I do today. I've, we started a family a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, so it's the same story, the same thing. I want to tell all this stuff, but mm-hmm. like I, wanna, I have kids now and I want them to understand why their dad is as crazy as he is. Okay. <laughs> so I want to at least document this. If for nothing, <laughs> for no other purposes, so future generations that I have spawned, uh, <laughs> God, God bless them. And, and I hope the best for them. <laughs> but um, so they, they could understand kind of what happened and why our family tree was really going quite nicely until this crazy branch, you know, <laughs> sprung off with me and this, this wild kid. Right. So um, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that my, my story was, was shared mm-hmm. um, with my kids before, yeah. because as I, as I age and people, um, like I've lost, you know, grandparents just through the normal aging processes. And mm-hmm. I was very blessed to have my grandparents into their eighties. And it mm-hmm. was, I'm really close with all of my, but you know, you, the, those people go and yeah. you just wish you could, um, or at least I do wish that I had recorded some conversations yeah. or I had, um, had more meaningful conversations with, mm-hmm. with them kind of when I, what I know now kind of thing. I, w- I wish I knew then kind of thing. So yeah, I, I felt like now was this, this is just the time where I need to start writing things down. I need mm-hmm. to start recording things. I need to start making notes. I need to get these things in order. And um, that, that kind of coincided with wanting to tell my story and share mm-hmm. those kind of things. And then also coincided with the whole meningitis thing. I got, mm-hmm. I got connected with this national meningitis um, organization and um, they kind of all kind of is just kind of a confluence of of a few things that happened kind of all at the same time and I was mm-hmm. like, bam, yeah, um, this is what I'm going to do and so I'm going to start doing. So mm-hmm. um, I've I've gone kind of uh, as far as I can, mm-hmm. um, as fast as I can mm-hmm. with, with all that stuff and and I continue continue to do that. So yeah, that's awesome. Is and, and you know I think. I th- you know, you definitely have an amazing story, um, so inspirational. And, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> like you said, your kids will be able to, you know, listen to this and um, hopefully even listen to mine if they would like to and just know um, all the amazing stuff that their dad is doing. And, you know, hopefully they can grow up and just be able to look back and just see, you know, the inspiration. Well, I, I hope I hope they think it's, in, it, it's amazing. We'll, we'll find yeah. out. But yeah. at least they'll have an idea of, of why why I'm as crazy as I am. So they'll at least document it. So they know not what what not to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How um you know I have you know for you like do do your kids have an understanding of you know the, the meningitis and you know how it has impacted your life? I mean, I know they're still very very young. Um, but no, are they, are they conscious of, you know, the work that you're doing? 
uh, well, they know that I podcast, <laughs> um, and it's just weird that they know what that word is, even mm-hmm. really. But um, they don't know about meningitis. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've I've mentioned it to them. Mm-hmm. I don't hide anything from mm-hmm. them, really. So um, they don't know meningitis just because it's they're not you know really mm-hmm. under, understand what that mm-hmm. what that is, I guess. But yeah. They do know that, you know, I don't, that I don't see well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where it is. And they know that, mm-hmm. that, that it changed for me, that it, it wasn't that way. And then it was, mm-hmm. um, um, I'm pretty upfront with them about all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Like I don't drive. Right. So mm-hmm. mom drives everywhere. So that's kind of an, like, like if the, if, if I, if I'm going to be going somewhere like, Oh, who's going to come pick you up? I mean, they'll, they'll yeah. say that kind of thing. Right. So mm-hmm. they, they know that and they, they don't really know the range of my vision, mm-hmm. which, which I probably use some of that to my advantage. Right. <laughs> so like if they don't think I can see them, but they're doing something, then, you know, I can, I can play that for a little while. Yeah. Know, so they, so they can really understand it. But uh-huh. um, they do know that I have a visual impairment. Mm-hmm. I, I do use the word blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do try to kind of understand or, or explain to them that it's, it's not really black or white. There's mm-hmm. a lot of degrees in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to help them kind of understand as, as best they can mm-hmm. at their ages, what all that stuff means. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I've never, I've never done this before. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I uh, a parent. So mm-hmm. um, I'm learning as I go. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things too, that, about my parents my my parents were a similar age to me mm-hmm. now um a few years older than i am today mm-hmm. um maybe like 4 years older than i am right now when i was in college and going through all of my the, the meningitis thing and i just mm-hmm. try to put myself in in a few years ahead of my uh, my current age going through an event like that with a child mm-hmm. and just trying to wrap my head around how that would how I would even function, how I would, how I would operate, how I would, what mm-hmm. I would do and, and things I would do and what I would say and who I would talk to and yeah. how I would handle myself and mm-hmm. with the grace and the, um, the, I guess the faith that my parents had that carried them through those, that, that time frame. But, um, so that's, I don't know. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I always thought my parents knew everything. <laughs> Um, but as a parent now, I understand that there are lots of things that happen yeah. that the parent just knows like slightly more than the kid, <laughs> but you never just want the kid to bit. know that. <laughs> and um, that's kind of where we are with the parenting yeah. thing. Yeah. I've always, I've always had this really internal struggle with myself. It's like, I definitely would love to, you know, get married, you know, <laughs> find the right person. Um but I've always been so nervous with the idea of kids. It's like, it's not that I don't want to have kids because I would love to have a, a child, um, especially a daughter. But then I also have always had this internal struggle of, well, um, would I be a good parent because of my disability? Because I know there's a lot of things that I'm not going to be able to do, you know, versus, you know, my spouse would have to do, you know. You know, you can't be the one to take, drive them to their sports games. You know, you can't pick them up from school. Um, So it's like, I know it's like kind of like an excuse to not want to be a parent, but, you know, I'm only 29. So I've, you know, I've never, you know, had the point to where I've been wanting to propose to someone, but 
it's definitely something in my mind that I've had an internal struggle with uh, being a parent, you know, you know, because I think we just all want to be, you know, do good enough for our kids. And we all understand that we don't have all the questions, but, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess just for me, it's, it's a continuing uh, internal struggle. Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably first firsthand, <laughs> because I, I, you know, um, I don't know that I, I say I struggled with it so mm-hmm. much um, as I just wasn't sure really. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said is, is pretty accurate mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, the, the, the doubt mm-hmm. or the things that you would think of that, you know, could be, could be problematic, but yeah. I, you know, I think for me, um, we, we mentioned family and, mm-hmm. and I've talked about my parents and my brother mm-hmm. and we haven't talked about my, my sainted, um, wife yet. <laughs> and for me, when things, you know, she, when she came into my life, mm-hmm. um, it, most of those things kind of went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's always probably some doubt, but that's, that's for anybody mm-hmm. doing anything, you know, has, has doubts about, mm-hmm. about things. But when, uh, for me anyway, she eliminated, but most of those things that like mm-hmm. what you're talking about, like I might, could I, could I be a dad? Yeah. Um, there, there are some things I'm going to miss. I yeah. can't do these types of things, but um, we did talk about those things mm-hmm. and, you know, she likes to drive. Right? <laughs> so don't find a spouse that doesn't like to drive. Right. <laughs> right? Or, or that can't drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that doesn't work either, mm-hmm. but it, it certainly is going to add another element of, of complexity to the, to the situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as for me, I'm just really blessed with, her name is Aaron mm-hmm. and uh, we've been married for uh, 11 years now and it's, it's really been, it's been amazing yeah. and, and, and probably the best thing that that's happened to me as far as um, any kind of, you know, human interaction I've had outside <laughs> of my immediate family. Right. So she, she's been perfect in every way mm-hmm. and she does, she does things, but I will say it's, it's, it's not without, you know, it, it's tiresome. Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware of that. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I, I have to be aware of that. I understand mm-hmm. that that she goes through a grind because of things that that she has to do, and she willingly does. Yeah. But you have to have a pretty heavy le- layer or level of uh, respect for for the type of things that mm-hmm. somebody that's going to be assisting somebody with with a disability or something mm-hmm. that, that the the caretaker or the people that are with those people. They do those things and they do them, you know, unselfishly and they, they mm-hmm. do it because they want to do those things. But, you know, there you have to you have to understand that and respect mm-hmm. what, what they do. And it's not that I don't do anything. You know, <laughs> right. She might, she might tell you that I don't do anything. But, <laughs> um, they just they just do stuff that, you know, you wouldn't normally like we have one car and one driver and there's mm. there's five of us. So mm-hmm. uh, if we're going somewhere, uh, that's what's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So just those kind of things to take into consideration. But my, my advice to you would be, um, I think those, at least as, as my experience was, Uh I think those things and those doubts that you have, which are are normal, Mm -hmm. um, would be, would be mostly answered or, or just gone, just, just vaporize when when you find the person that, Mm -hmm. that, 
even you're not going to ask them if they, you know, do you want to drive to soccer practice? You know, that, <laughs> right. in five years from now, do you want to, can you take Johnny to soccer practice? So you don't have this kind of conversation specifically. Instead, but, it's I'm taking Johnny to soccer practice. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you just kind of get a feeling for the person. Mm-hmm. And, and when you find that person, a lot of those, those things that you are worried about mm-hmm. will just kind of go away. And at least that's what it was for me. Yeah. And uh, I, that may not be that case for everybody, but mm-hmm. that that's that's what it was for me. But I, I had the same questions. Yeah. I, I still have the same questions. Mm-hmm. My, my kids' experience, I, you know, I didn't have um, my parents weren't disabled in any way. Mm-hmm. So my I, I compare my youth to my my kids' youth and and mm-hmm. what I did and what I want them to do. And well, you know, I I. I'm not going to be able to do it that way because mm-hmm. of, because of this. So mm-hmm. um, you find creative ways around things and you find ways to make advantages um, out of the disadvantages mm-hmm. and, and they, they work. I'm not going to tell you that it's, that it's easy, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm also gonna, I'm not going to tell you that parenting's easy either. So mm-hmm. no, it's just, it's just, that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, what is it that you, just hope that you can continue doing going forward. Um, you, you know, you said you mentioned you're writing a book. Um, you do a lot of public speaking, of course, podcasting still going on. So you get a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of eggs in your basket. Um, but ultimately, what do you hope to achieve with all the work that you're doing? Is there a grand goal at, at the end of the tunnel? Uh, I don't know if there's a grand goal. <laughs> I just hope to reach, reach as many people as I can. And, and mm-hmm. again, I just like talking. So I like talking mm-hmm. to people. I like sharing sharing my story. I like sharing other people's story, which mm-hmm. is why the pod, the podcast isn't, um, it's based on me and, and what I want to talk about, I guess, mm-hmm. but I want to talk to people that have, that have really, uh, that, that people that, you know, I like my, my, my motto is challenging beliefs and, mm-hmm. and finding how people do extraordinary things basically. Yeah. Cause this happens every day. I, yeah. I, there, there are countless stories of people mm-hmm. that really do extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people, go unnoted or absolutely missed mm-hmm. and and maybe that's because they want to be that way and, mm-hmm. and that's that's fine of course mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of really interesting stories to share mm-hmm. and sharing those stories will help other people that may not be in the exact situation but in a similar situation or know mm-hmm. somebody in a similar situation mm-hmm. that can help somebody do something so i just want to connect with as many people as i can yeah keep talking about things yeah uh, in particular, the meningitis thing, where mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's a lot of information that can be uh, disseminated to, to yeah. parents, in particular, oh, about, about 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 getting more knowledge about mm-hmm. meningitis and the preventative things that can happen, and just making people more aware. Mm-hmm. So I just want to just keep talking about those things, and yeah. I want to motivate people. I want to I want to lead people from from point A to point B mm-hmm. and know that whatever your circumstance or whatever situation is, um, you have the ability to change it and you can you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to the thing where like nobody wants it more than you. So if if you want to make things happen, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Find out a way to find out a way to do it. Yeah. It's you know, I I've I've you know you know I I, I you know <laughs> Um, first is I 100% believe you. there's so many people that their stories go untold and you know I, I've reached out to some people and it's funny when they come back and say well I don't think I have a good enough story to be on your podcast compared to the some of the guests you've had like they see some of my guest names like I don't have anywhere near I'm just like 
who you know you don't know that you, you you don't know who your story is going to touch um i always tell people it doesn't matter if you have no followers or all the followers in the world every story matters because every lived experience is different um so it's like i always try and tell people like if if i'm asking you on the podcast it means that i believe in your story and i find you to be an amazing person and i want you to share your story because i think someone's going to be touched by it so i just think like you said there's so many people that go thinking that their story's not good enough or they're not um worthy of having a you know a moment to share their story so that's a hundred percent the one thing that i love to be able to do with my podcast is and i feel that i've done that at least personally and spiritually i believe that i have shared some stories that may otherwise have gone untold and for me that's the biggest thing it's like you know success and money i, I could care less about it's the, the stories that i feel otherwise would be lost and not have a chance to have their moment in the sunshine so that's a hundred percent you know what i love to do um with a podcast and honestly you know for me and having you on is i i've i've only ever heard the word meningitis but i had zero understanding of you know how it affects someone or you know how you know i, I you have really taught me a lot today and uh, hopefully you know people that are listening will feel the same they've been exposed and educated um, to something that maybe otherwise they just hear and then just oftentimes just don't really look into. So definitely thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. And I've really been educated today. I appreciate it, man. I <laughs> love, I love talking about it. And, and I, I would, in addition to checking my podcast, which I'm sure you'll, you'll link to all that, but the uh, National Meningitis Association, it's mm -hmm. nmaus.org. Some great information about, mm -hmm. about meningitis and it's, it's, it, it is a vaccine preventable disease, mm -hmm. so people should at least be aware of that. So it, it's been fun. Chad. Yeah. I uh, yeah. enjoyed uh, getting, getting chat with you here and we'll, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it on a biggest line too. Oh, awesome. Uh, that's be awesome. Hey, um, before I let you go, can you please um, let people know where they can find you? Um, share, share some of your links. I would love people to check you out. Well, probably the best way to do it is just go to ambiguouslyblind.com. Um, podcasts are anywhere podcasts are found, but I will say, you know, ambiguous is a big word, you know, my gosh, I spell it wrong most of the time myself. <laughs> Thank God for spell check. <laughs> I spell it pretty regularly. So I also have amblind.com, which is mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, kind of a catchy thing because I am blind. So A-M-B-L-I-N-D.com will forward you to ambiguously blind so you don't have to spell the whole thing. I like so, that. Amblind.com or ambiguouslyblind.com, all my social links you know, I'm, I'm mostly social. I don't do TikTok. Just, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do that, but yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those mm -hmm. kind of places we're, mm -hmm. we're there, but, um, and it's, it's ambiguously blind or mm -hmm. amblind everywhere, but amblind.com or ambiguouslyblind.com. Yeah. That's catchy. I like that. Amblind. That's awesome. Well, um, everybody, please, if you could go give him a check, um, please, you know, listen to his podcast. And if, if you're in the podcasting, please, you know, reach out to him. Maybe he will come on your podcast as well. But anyways, that's all the time I have today. Thank you, John, so, so much for sitting down with me. I've had an absolute ball. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Tremendous, Chad. Great to be here. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for the podcast today. Thank you so much again to my amazing guest, John Grimes of Ambiguously Blind. Please go check out his links and give him a follow. And if you would like for him, maybe just send him an email. But of course, if you are too shy or you just don't want to do it yourself, I can do that for you. Just remember, email me at cmbalton. That is C as in Chad, M as in Michael, B as in boys. So cm 
B-O-U-T-O-N, cmbouton at yahoo.com. It's all one word, cmbouton at yahoo.com. We are on Twitter. Um, the podcast has its own Twitter page. It's at 2200hindsight. That's at 20200hindsight, at 2200hindsight. And if you know anybody that would like to listen to the podcast, please let them know that we are on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, it is hindsight is 20 slash 200. Make sure to put the slash in between 2200. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Um probably going to look into getting it on google play so hopefully i'll be able to announce another platform here in the near future anyways that's gonna be it for the the podcast today thank you again to my amazing guest john grimes of ambiguously blind and thank you all so much for listening as i always say as we leave please be kind to please be kind to each other take care of each other and we'll see you soon bye guys